wouldn't miss this part for the world. Uh, the best parts are the introductions. And I learned if you just greet somebody before the, uh, do you hear me? Okay. Sound fine. You sound uh, fine. Okay. Yeah. It, it did seem like it skipped out for a second. Well, anyways, welcome back. It's really good to Thank see you. you. Two minutes ago, I just looked up when our last show was. It was a year ago. Just yeah. over, it was last December, 2022. Yeah. And I was thinking that it was only just a few months back. And um, you came in, you you pitch hit for my regular co-host, Merle. If you recall, he had yeah. just lost his cousin and he and he said that he couldn't do the show. He was so broken up. And you came on and we talked about uh, grief and healing and dealing with that. He was so grateful. He absolutely Aww. loved you. I'm yeah. so glad. I'm oh, so, so touching. Yeah, Such a hard thing to go through in life, but it's so important that we do it well and honor ourselves and the person who's passed. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. And when you get on to a show like Over 50 Starting Over, it's something that you really, unfortunately, you have to talk about. And happening a lot more frequently now, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. I've quoted this several times on the show, but an old high school friend of mine, we were going to our wrestling coach's funeral. We met in the parking lot. We're walking in. He goes, you know, a few years back, I only saw you at weddings. Now I only see you at funerals. Oh, what yeah. a sad statement. It is. It yeah. is. But, but it also, you know, we can, we can tweak that if we want, which is we now are in the place where we're celebrating people's lives well-lived. Oh, that's a really we good get to, way to put it. get to be part of the journey of saying, gosh, I got to see you at the very end through the, the finality of your life. And, and I got to be an important part of the end of your journey. And since we only have this journey as us, how beautiful to be in someone's life when they move on into whatever is beyond. Hey, let's go there for a minute. Oh, you know what? Let's do a quick intro. Hello. Here with Dr. Heather Brown. Welcome to our conversation. Yes, yes. And you are a prolific author. You have at least three books, don't you? Lots and lots of published articles. You're coming out with a book in like a week or so. I looked for it. It's not out yet. No, it's and, not out yet. And I have a little bit of information about it. We got to plug it and we'll talk more about it for sure. I want, I want to go all over the place. There's a lot I want to talk to you about. Awesome. Uh, where did it go? Here it is. I think there was the, I, I wanted to quote the, I think the guy wrote your foreword, a uh, very, very accomplished author in and of himself. And here it is. And, and the, your book that's coming out is called speaking with the heart. I'm going to ask you about that in a second, but I want to, I want to read this because I thought this is just beautiful. You said you received the most beautiful review after reading the draft uh, from my famous fellow author and colleague, and that is James R. Doty, MD, founder and director of the Stanford Center for Compassion and Altruism Research and Education, that's C-Care. Uh, a subject matter near and dear to my heart, Dr. Stephen Treziak was on the show about a year and a half ago talking. He was the author of Compassionomics and mm. the follow-up, The Wonder Drug. And it's all about, he comes from a clinical point of view and has found that 
boy, I am all over the place. But uh, he found that, you know, he was taught back in the day to keep a professional distance with his patients because that's the only way you're going to get through this. Uh, it's, it's a very difficult and draining uh, uh, expertise. But he found it's actually 100% the opposite. If you dedicate three extra minutes to that patient on a more personal level, that everything just flows much better. And okay, back to this this um, this quote. Okay, uh, Dr. James Doty, here's his quote about your book. Connection and compassion define our humanity. Sadly, in the modern world, we are distracted from what it means to be human by a culture that has focused on false measures of success, resulting in suffering and alienation. Speaking with the heart gives us a step-by-step -step guide, allowing us to reconnect to that part of us that is so desperate that so desperately wants to connect. When we connect, we become compassionate and we love freely and unconditionally. This is really important. This is who we are at the core, and this is what Dr. Heather offers us. Wow. That wow, that's so well written, and that that is so meaningful. You gotta read his book. You've got to read his book. Is that Into the correct? Shop. It's wonderful. I read it a couple years ago and I wrote to him and said, this had such a profound impact on me. Bless you. And he wrote back and said, thank you so very oh. much. So when it came time for my book to come out, you know, you sneak it in there. And yeah. I was so honored because he's, he's a beautiful soul. He, uh, he like he's, he's connected with the Dalai Lama. I mean, oh. this is a man who who walked this earth blessedly. So to have that, yeah, I thought, oh, so. Yeah. Let's give him a quick plug since you mentioned that. International best-selling author of yes. Into the Magic Shop, a neurosurgeon. I love neurosurgeons. I really do. A, a neurosurgeon. Yeah. They, I like, um, though he's a, neuro, a neuroscientist, but she's um, Andrew... Uh, Huberman, the Huberman, Huberman's podcast, or Huberman's lab podcast. It's a terrific And I love Joe podcast. Dispenza. Joe Dispenza is oh. another one who's brilliant. Yeah. And isn't he actually a, um, uh, what do you call it? A bone doctor, a uh, bone cruncher. Uh, what do you call those oh, guys? Is he? I, thought he was a, I thought he was a neurosurgeon. Uh, you know what? I'll have to check. I just know he's brilliant. If it's not Dispenza, I do think it's Dispenza. And his his take on things is absolutely brilliant. He he does a, a very much a, a mind and physical approach, yes. a mind and body approach. And he talks about if you change your physical behaviors, even the way you get out of bed in the morning, that your your mental behaviors and habits will shift as well. Oh, he is brilliant. And look, guys, look him up on YouTube and just, you know, look at some 10 minute videos here and there. You'll learn a lot. Well, um, books, let's. His I'm books sorry. are phenomenal too. Yeah. yeah, both Dr. Doty and and Dr. Joe Dispenza. Well, yeah. I'm gonna have to look up this into the magic shop because it's that's right wonderful. up my alley. It is wonderful. It's a fascinating book. He he's so he's he's just a brilliant man. But the way he shares his story, it's it's so powerful. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I, you, you talk it up. I mean, he probably just sold a whole bunch of copies right there. I hope uh, so. Let's talk about speaking with the heart because I don't know anything about that yet. When we last talked, of course, we came from more of the grieving angle. Of course, it was appropriate at the time. But I think your biggest claim to fame is uh, relationship advice yes. and yeah. uh, expertise. 
And by the way, congratulations on the TEDx talk that you did. Thank you. It had to be a little while ago now, like six months ago, I'm guessing. It came out in November. I did it in September. Uh, it's oh. a five-month journey from the time that I was selected until we actually performed. It was it was really intensive, but it was really exciting, really yeah. exciting. And and um, it, a great opportunity because it has you go through everything. Very um, humbling, which is good when you have those moments where you're like, dear God, do I have anything to say? And will, will anybody even like it? And how will I do? Very, yeah. very humbling. I want to yeah. talk about this for a minute. I find it fascinating. Okay. So you're, you're kind of hinting at the imposter syndrome, which most of us, I, unless I think you're a narcissist, I think that you, we all have battles with that from time to time. Is that a little bit of how you felt? I'm not going to say imposter syndrome because I'm very much me and I know who I am and I mm -hmm. know what I what I bring. But there's the place when you are doing a whole lot of work and then saying, here's my baby. Like, mm. what do you think? Mm. So same thing with my book. Putting it all out there on and, the line. Yeah, my book has taken me a long time to write and editing and copy editing and cover design and and all of this and you know you put it out there and you're like please love it a little bit and you yeah. just don't know and so you have to wait to see when you did your first podcast like yeah. how many people will even listen not yeah. that you don't know what you have is wonderful and beautiful you do i but hope will people get it or do they want it oh that's a good point you know, they might just not want it. I, you might not want a book on relationships or how to love your partner better, how to help your partner love you better, how to honor each other and how yeah. to not fight and how to have better sex and how to do budgeting and how to love your family better. I mean, you might not want that. I think you would want it. But That's a lot of heavy subject matter right there. If they're all in there. They're all yeah. in there. Yeah. Wow. That, 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 yeah, that's something else. There's a lot of things I wanted to, I was, I had about five different questions that were all going in different directions a second ago. <laughs> One that I think is fair for everybody to lay the groundwork is, could you tell us a little bit about your personal past? You know, Cause we're going to talk about relationships. So how are the relationships of your life been? How have they formed and how have you grown? throughout your own life. Oh my gosh. How do I even answer that? I'm I know sick. that was so broad, right? Oh, it's huge. <laughs> so I'll put it in a nutshell. I came into this world believing that my role was to keep my mom alive and to try to help her see this world as a place that's beautiful to live. She was a paranoid schizophrenic and an alcoholic. And so the beginning of my life was all formulated on Try to show mom that you're that she need that she's needed that that you love her that we can play we can have fun and this reality is is beautiful so I really didn't know really at all who I was and the focus when I was a child really wasn't on me it was like let's keep mom here and then then when she when she killed herself my dad I really, didn't know this oh my oh God. it's why it's why I'm a therapist yeah she killed herself. When I was 16. Oh, and what a, a transformational age too. Massive. I mean, you were already cast in a role at this, since you were born, a caretaker role. Yeah. And the, how traumatic was this at this point in your life? I don't even know how to answer that one because that was my life. It was, I, it was, uh, it was a lot. It was, yeah. it was a lot. It was just a lot. The whole, the whole childhood was a lot. She was beautiful. She was amazing. She was elegant. She was tragic. She was crazy. Um, 
Yeah, it was a lot, but it is why I am here for sure. So, so that happened. And then my dad, bless his heart, we'd gone through like hell for a whole bunch of years. And he just needed me to be smart and wise and take care of myself because he was exhausted. Like he, he not put her into an institution so she could stay with us, but like it had been crazy for a whole bunch of years. And so I decided to be a a, you know, a theater major because I wanted to run away from what I didn't know my life was. And that wasn't a wise move at six foot one. And my dad knew that. And so he said, like, I'm not going to support you if you do that. You're going to be on your own. And so I said, fine. And so I flew off to New York and said, out of here. Like, if you're not going to support me in my choice of my life, I'm done doing my life for everybody else. So I thought. And wow. um and so I went off to New York and I was on my own. And that was really hard and scary to be I 18. I bet it was scary. Not have family yeah. and not have money and not know what the future would hold. And so um, really had to look at myself and look at what I was doing and where I was going. Pursued theater for a couple of years and loved it. But at six foot one, there just aren't many parts. And so I had to decide, you know, are you willing to do this for the rest of your life? And I was getting closer and closer to my connection with God or spirit, whatever you want to call it. Um, and one day he said to me, instead of pretending to be someone you're not, how about you help people be who they are supposed to be? Mm. Oh, and that's beautiful. I can't think of anything more beautiful. And so mm. I reached out to schools and said, you know, I would be a great therapist. I've gone through alcoholism, you know, in I've gone through molestation, I've gone through disowning, I've gone through mental illness with a family member. I, I've gone, I've gone through a lot. a lot. And I think I'd probably be able to sit with a whole bunch of people and help them a whole bunch. I need a scholarship. And fortunately, Rhea Khan College offered it to me. So about how old were you at this point? At that point, I was 27. And I did lots of years of therapy because I had to. I had mm -hmm. to. I mean, so mm -hmm. much had gone on. I needed to learn how to figure out who the hell I was and mm -hmm. how I wanted to walk in this life. And so fell in love, got married. Um, we were, Ted and I were together almost 25 years, two beautiful, beautiful, beautiful children, amazing children. He died nine years ago now, which is insane. Um yeah. And so like, I've always been a lover of relationship and I'm a lover of people and I love I, myself. And the, the longer I do life, the, the better I am at just loving on people and saying, okay, like you be you and I'm going to love you as you are as best I can. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, helping people honor themselves and their choices um, and trying to bring love to all those aspects of anger and fear, which is what keeps us apart from really well, they're polar opposites. All of who we are. Yeah. You, you can't be in a state of love and be in a state of fear or anger at the same time. They're polar opposites. Yeah. But if you realize the answer is that any place there's anger, any place mm -hmm. there's, there's disappointment, any place there's fear, there's just more love that's needed. And so my viewpoint is, well, heck, I can bring it. And so then I bring it. And yes. if the other person isn't open to receive it, I will completely honor that and respect that. And I also know that I have brushed them with a touch of touch of my opinion, God, and a touch mm -hmm. of love to try and help them where they are for when they're ready. That's but every perfect. situation can be improved with love. 
Every I totally week. agree. Yep. Uh, first, I want to mention that your husband's name was Ted, and that was Merle's father's name. And he had said repeatedly to me since our interview a year ago that that meant a lot to him. And every time you mentioned Ted, his heart would just open up oh. and overflow because his father, they were Please so give close. give him my love. What I a beautiful certainly. soul. He is going to be watching this probably this evening. I am sure. Well, he, bless you. Bless you. Bless you. I send love and light mm -hmm. and joy and little angel touches upon you right now. I, I, you know, and I thank you so much for that. And I want to just touch on something kind of heavy. Merle and I talk about spirituality a lot. I'm very open. I'm a very spiritual person. I know that there's more to this life than what I see right here. I feel interconnected with everything. I used to feel when I was much younger, I used to feel very disconnected, but overwhelmed by by life, I would say. Now I feel connected to everything. Everything is just energy as I am as well. Merle is a born again Christian and bless him that he has a very open heart and mind where we can have very deep conversations on this subject and explore. And because, you know, it's very frustrating when someone is just, okay, this is, it's super narrow. And because of this is how I learned it. And this is the way it is. And, and it's hard to have a deep, meaningful, loving conversations because you know what happens? come in full circle right there. There's an anxiety that gets thrown in there, even a fear, veering off that path and, and exploring. And I think that when, if you can, if you have to have that, that kind of rigidity, well, it's okay if that's, you know, for you, and that's what makes life best for you, that's, that's fine. But I think if you want the real truth, that you have to be 100% open-minded and you can't be married to anything. Your identity can't be 100% married to anything because my, my evolution about spirituality has been just immense over my lifetime. I had the, the arrogant period of time in my younger 20s of denouncing God and that guy in the sky that you can't see. And I said all the smart things, right? Arrogant. It's not such... so smart. Pardon? And We're so, not so smart. I know that's, I know enough to know. I, I don't know anything now. That's my point. And, yeah, um, it's a good thing to know. It is, it is. But it's, it, you know what? It makes me super curious. And that's why I love doing this podcast and interviewing people like you, because we get to talk about these things from all kinds of different people and all kinds of different perspectives. And maybe I get a little bit closer to whatever that truth is. Well, let me I, ask you something. Mm -hmm. Is love inclusive or exclusive? Well, I think it's only inclusive. I don't think it could your be. Answer. You don't need to go much further. And it, I think to me, that's a huge challenge with what we do in, in religious circles. Our focus is on exclusion and not on inclusion. And love is inclusive. Love washes over everything yeah it washes over everything it goes into everything it becomes everything and um mark nepo i i've i've paid to have his poem in my book because i love it so much love like water um he talks about how how in nature rain falls upon where it falls it doesn't discern what it falls upon Love is the same. Love comes and washes over and yeah. it's up to the person to receive it. So if love is inclusive, 
you know, what the heck are we doing being exclusive? And so to me, that's just where I go because Jesus is of God. Yeah. I am of God. You are of God. If you believe in God, we're all created. We've all become. So however you want to define how that happened, whether whether it was a big bang or whether it was a, a, a divine touch of love, we are here and we have become. So we come from something. And so whatever that is, we are all part of that. And I think totally that's agree. something that we can all agree with. We are all on this earth at this time because for some reason we were born. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we have been created. <clears throat> and what you do with that is up to you. But I also go to the place of, okay, so since I'm on this earth with 8 billion other people right now, I'm one of 8 billion. Like I'm, I'm, I'm nothing, but. And yet everything. Exactly. You know? And so are you. Mm -hmm. So who am I to say? Well, I, I won't be someone who says, I will not be someone who says anybody doesn't have a right or a purpose or a voice or a choice in their life here. It is their life. And they were for whatever reason, brought to this earth to live. And the purpose of what they do with that is, is up to them. But mine isn't more important or less important than anybody else's. And so I have, I no longer wrestle with like, is there a purpose for me to be here? Why am I here? Do I deserve to be here? All that gobbledygook that we get caught up in. I just don't because I am. And then my viewpoint is, well, how do I then enjoy this as much as possible and help people, because that's important to me, as much as possible in this beautiful, sacred journey that we're on? That, and that's a, a, what you just said right there is a lot. And I have thought many times I would like to do a podcast with one subject matter and only one subject matter. And that is, what is the meaning of life? And you just went right through that, like a knife through butter. Can we uh, uh, unwrap that a little bit more? Because sure. um, I, I do wonder about that. There's this big part of me that thinks, and it sounds like you're on board with this too. At least you'll certainly relate to it. You could talk about the Big Bang. Uh, that's fine, because it does seem like to me, there was kind of this big bang and it didn't just create the universe, but it created, it, it blew apart. It was, everything was one, then everything blew to infinite pieces. And now I think we're just trying to come back together as one again, which is God and heaven and all of that. And then it's probably going to blow up again. Like it's done an infinite amount of times. Maybe it's one of my theories. So then what is, the meaning of life is it that we do our part to bring this togetherness this cohesion which is love and bring that all because i think that when we get back to one that is a state of love that is just love that it's just love is blown apart into all these different pieces and trying to reconnect well that it would depend upon what you choose for it to be so the purpose of my life is the purpose that i give my life 
I can decide my life has no purpose if I want to. Yeah, it's but total that nihilistic. That doesn't really make, but it doesn't really make sense because you're still here. So I'm going to live a non-purposeful life. Like you could, it's almost like waiting for Godot. You can say, well, then I'll just do nothing. But then mm -hmm. by doing nothing, you're doing something. So it's that like, you know, pretzel exactly. puzzle yeah. that you can't get out of. But so my thought is, since I am here, yeah. like, what do I choose to do with that? And, and, and because for me, just for Heather, the most beautiful expression that I know, the most beautiful feeling that I know is love. So my thought is, well, since I love feeling love and I love being loved, why don't I have that be what my life is about? And so that's what speaking with the heart is. Taking those people who are split apart or falling apart or not knowing how to come together and saying, let me help you. Like I've done this for a long time. Yeah. I know a lot about communication. I know a lot about connection. Let me show you how to come together a little bit more quickly, a little bit more smoothly, a little bit more beautifully so that you can have that relationship you want. When people come into a relationship, they want it to last forever and they want to be loved forever. You wouldn't go into a relationship otherwise. You know, it might not happen, but that is kind of the hope. Like, will you be in my life always? And will you always love me and want to be with me and think I'm amazing and incredible? And that can continue if we choose to treat each other in a way that supports that. And if we choose to continually choose the other. So one of the things that I say to my couples is, you know, will you do that? Will you right now decide you're choosing today, today, to be with your partner. And everyone says, well, yeah. I'm like, okay, then how are you going to use today to really show that, to create mm -hmm. that? And there's so many beautiful, 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 beautiful things you can do to get to know your partner in a way that it's not split off or fractured, but where you're holding them and helping them. And there's things that for whatever reason we don't do. We don't ask our partner, when you're really mad, what is the best way for me to support you? When you're really yeah. sad, what's the best way for me to support you? When you've had a horrible, horrible phone call with your mother, what is it that you desire of me? How can I love you right now? And if we were to say that to our partner, to our children, to our friends, to our pets, to ourselves all the time, how different our experience would be. If you ask my kids, does your mom love you? They're gonna say, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Why? Be because I do. Every day I'm in contact with them, I say like, how can I love you right now? What do you need? Mm. How can I be here with you? That, that's beautiful. There's two things that that makes, that opens my eyes up to. For one, us guys, often have to be told, don't try to fix it. Just be here. Just listen. Just be open. I try to remind myself of that all the time. But the if you're not sure, if you're not sure, because women oftentimes say, hey, can I just talk? Mm. And, mm. and men will think that means, poor little damsel in distress, I don't know what to do. Please tell me what to do and fix it. Now, for a lot of women, I'll include myself on this one, a chunk of it is, I'm, I've kind of already figured it out. I just want to fill you in so you know. Or I've thought about this a lot. I've done a lot of research. I'm pretty sure what I'm going to do. But I want to ask her input too. 
And then there's this little bit, which is, I have no idea. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Mm -hmm. But men, because of, of their desire to be fixers, to be yes. providers, um, for safety, Mm -hmm. which we all want and women desperately want. I know I want that in my life again. That's their go-to. So when your your spouse, your partner, doesn't tell you what they're wanting out of the, hey, can I share something with you or can we talk? Just ask. Mm -hmm. yes. Sure. Honey, is there anything you want of me? And she's going to say, I just want you to listen. And then listen to what she says. And so then when she's done and she's shared, that then I would say, th thank you for sharing. I really appreciate mm -hmm. that. Would you like me to respond? Or is there something that I can offer? And then let her guide what she wants. My daughter's a painter and she makes amazing paintings. And when she was in high school, a lot of them I didn't really understand. Mm -hmm. they, were, they were abstract and she was dealing with in eating disorder. And so it was coming out in her paintings and in, in my opinion, kind of like odd and strange ways. And I remember before Ted passed, he, he would just be confused by them and mm -hmm. he didn't really like them because the, the subject matter was hard. And so he wouldn't, he would just say, is it done? And she'd be like, oh, <laughs> oh that would have to be crushing. It's bad. It's bad. Uh, yeah. And so she'd show it to me and she'd say, what do you think? And I got really smart really quick. And I said, how is, what is it that you're asking me? She goes, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what do I think? Do I like it overall? Do I like the topic? Do I like how you've done it? Like, can you be more specific with what you're asking? That's a and smart response because there are a lot of angles to come from there. There's a but lot. And she, she just had it not go well with her dad. And so I really wanted to make certain, mm -hmm. like, I want to join you. But if my response is, I don't know why the hell you painted this, this makes no sense to me, we're not going to have a good conversation. Well, so you know, I tried to find out where could I connect with her. Here's a key. You talk about the spatial and broken apart and coming back together. Hmm. Here's the key. Michelangelo, it's the key. Where do you connect with the other? The challenge in our relationships is we come from, I want to go to New York. I want to go to California. I want to go to New York. I want to go to California. I want to go to New York. I want to go to California. And we get caught in these differences. I have an exercise in my book where I talk about this. If you were to say instead, vacation, yes. Okay. Big city or, or nature? Big city. New York. Let's say LA. LA. Then, then you can break it down. Okay, well, cold, cold or hot? Mm. And if the answer is, well, I want hot, well, I want cold, then you're going to have to go somewhere kind of in the middle. And so there's the place of, well, where do we agree, which gets you closer yeah. and closer. Trip, big city, let's say we say, let's say we say hot. Okay, so that's going to mean we're not going to New York in the winter. So if it's New York, it's going to need to be the summer. California can be a lot of the time. But you keep keep drawing it closer and closer until you finally get there. If I say I want a a, a gray Prius, and and you say you you want an economical car. Those two can line up. If your favorite color is blue, we might end up with a bluish gray Prius. But there's the place of opening yourself to be able to Finding come back together. Let's right. go back to your daughter's paintings because I mean I immediately I started out my college career of fine art and. Um, 
it's exactly the same situation as you doing your TEDx. I mean, she, she births this painting and then people respond. It could be absolutely crushing. So you're, you know, you're giving us advice of, uh, well, you know, find the avenue that is going, that she's really looking for. And so what are the conclusions that you draw there I, I, as far as how to respond to her correctly? So if you find out what the person is wanting of you, then you've got the ability to honor them and care for them in that way. And when they see that as safe or helpful, then they'll get more. So if she were to say, well, overall, what do you think? I'd say it's powerful. It's, it's kind of shocking. I don't really understand it, but I know it's really important. Could you tell me a little bit more about the mouths? And then she'd say, yeah. And then she would go into that. And then I could say, oh, wow. Okay, so like the teeth. I'm looking at the teeth and they're really striking me. And so it would take me from this big painting of my overall view and narrowing it down and narrowing it down. So by the time we were done, like I'd be pointing out, my gosh, the way you do the blue around that tooth makes it stand out so much where I'm like drawn to it. And so she felt so embraced, mm -hmm. so cared for. Well, that's what we want in our conversations. Yeah. That's what we want in our relationship. But here's the key. I asked her, how do I connect with you? I didn't demand that she connect with me. Mm -hmm. So important people. How do I connect with you? Since I have the desire to do it, and I'm asking you, so, okay, in communication, to me, Jesus is the best example that there is for healthy communication. He knew who he was. He knew what his message was. He knew he wanted to reach you. So what does he do? He comes to your door and he knocks. If you open the door, he says, hey, I'm the son of God. And I'd like to sit down with you and talk. And you can say yes or no. He doesn't scream. He doesn't yell. He doesn't force. He waits for you to open the door. So big picture communication, big picture respect for other people in the world. Mm. If you know who you are, for the most part, for who you are right now, if you know what is the message you're trying to convey, if you know why you are conveying it, and you honor the other person, if they want to have that conversation, they want to have that connection or not. If they say no, you say, okay, I still really wanna have it. Let me know when you're available. Hmm. Why is this brilliant? Because the person's gonna come to you and say, okay, I'm ready now. And what do you have? An open door. Hmm. And that is the key. If we want to love someone else, it's why I didn't call the book speaking from the heart, which a lot of people have asked me, well, why didn't you call that? Mm -hmm. I said, because that's taking a concept and then like just using something from internal and then slapping Pushing it in the outside world. I want it to come through. I, I mean, birth, creation, exploration, alignment, mm -hmm. you know, connectedness. Mm -hmm. I, I want connection. And so- it's it's the same thing. So if you start with how do how how can I care for you? What is it that you need? 
I talk about it in my TEDx, but I also talk about it in my book. One of the most pivotal moments in my life. My mom is a paranoid schizophrenic. When I was 12, there were helicopters flying over the house and she was fearful they were coming to get her. And my dad did what he always did and said, like, Jenny, you're crazy. It's all in your head. They're not coming to get you. And I remember looking at my mom, shaking. My dad's words were not helping. Right. She was so scared. And I remember thinking at 12, what does mommy need? And my thought was she needs to feel safe. So what does a 12-year-old do? I went and grabbed my blue blankie, Bambi was its name, threw it over mommy's head. And I held her and I said, they're not going to get you, mommy. When she finally came out, she looked up at me and her eyes conveyed, you believe me. Oh, the empathy. Yeah. Yeah. That means everything. But I, I didn't believe her reality. That's a really good illustration of your point. Yeah. But I believed she believed her reality Mm, and something in my heart and my brain opened up, which is, whoa, 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 whoa. This is the key. Compassion is the bridge. Mm. If I care for you in your reality, whether I agree about it or not, and I allow you to care for me and mine, we can actually live in different realities. Well, we actually do it a lot of the time, we're just not mm. aware that we're doing it. You walk mm. by somebody on the street, nothing happens, you're doing it. But it starts to become problematic when the other person's reality completely doesn't align with yours. Mm-hmm. I have no idea where my mom went. I'll never know. I know she was not here with me. But I knew I could help make here feel a little bit safer from how she was experiencing here. And for me, that was one of the biggest gifts from God that I got at that age. No one has the same reality. How do we help people in their reality feel safe, feel loved, feel honored as much as possible? That strikes me deeply. This is a huge problem in the world. We're telling the other person, you are not to be who you are. Mm-hmm. You were to not to think what you think you are wrong. Now, truthfully, how many times have you thought you're hundred percent right? You know, and then you change like, why, well, you know, I used to think that oh, my God, I don't think that at all anymore. Like it's going to happen. So if we're not yes. worried about that, but recognize like, who the hell am I to tell you, you can't be who you choose to be. Yeah. That's and having true. that love for my mom it was beautiful. Love and so it's beautiful. That's what I, I try to show in my book. How do you take these very different realities, very different desires, and be able to walk side by side? Maybe not really understanding. I didn't understand my mom for sure. I just had to accept I couldn't. But I could still walk by her side as mm-hmm. much as I was able to with her there's a a lot of depth to what you're saying and a a lot of things that could be talked about forever one of what you're expressing is the concept of letting go and with that is you could kind of side by side say that that with that is humility 
And it is, uh, in, as you were illustrating, we're often so arrogant to think that people should think like us and uh, that our way- Can we our... go even deeper? Can we go even deeper? Hmm. What if it's, what if it's even, what if it's a little bit different than letting go? What if it's not grabbing on? If I haven't grabbed on to what this is to be for mm. me, for you, there's nothing to let go of. And then you and I can step into, well, what, what are we going to make this? Yeah. You know what I like about that is it, that's the Buddhist principle of not, and we see it in this, this uh, reality in this country today, more than ever, the, the concept of identifying with everything, picking your team and digging in and, and shunning the other thing that, uh, but if you never it's attachments. If you don't yeah. have, yes, if you don't have those attachments, there's nothing to let go of. Exactly. And yeah. exclusion makes it more important. Yeah. Because now you're something I'm threatened by. Now you're something I'm fearful of. Now you're something that I'm trying to pretend is not there. Like it, it doesn't work. What you focus on persists. So if I say you are bad, you are wrong, I hate you. I have just given you a whole bunch of energy and power over me. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we think we're like negating the other's power. We're not. We're like maximizing it within ourselves. And so there's the place of recognizing like I get to decide what this moment is. And I can hold to anything I want to hold to. And I cannot if I don't want to. But what's really important to, to recognize is that is up to each person to decide. If I want to be completely attached and connected and bonded, I can do that. But then you're going to have to decide, how do you handle that if I'm holding on to you all the time and clinging to you all the time? Um, there's a beautiful truth that we think in, well, maybe it's not beautiful, but to me it is. We think in holding on to, we feel we're safe and we feel like we have control. Mm, it's about control, right? For a moment. But when you're holding on to something after a moment of like, I got you, what happens? Now it's pressure. Now I don't know if you want to be here. And now I'm scared because now I don't really know if I have you. So there's the place of recognizing that to really have, I don't think we really want control. I think we do. I think we really want we, we want safety. That's what it is. And fluidity. Like I can, I can adapt. I can shift. I can change. But if we want safety, it's not up to the other very often to create that for us. It's for us to create for us. And, and part of our challenge in couples is that we put that upon our partner. Our partner is to make us feel safe. Now, I'm not saying that's not a beautiful part of trying to do in relationship. It is. However, if, if my safety is completely dependent upon you coming through for me in the way that I need you to come through for me, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Because yeah. what if you can't do it? What if you don't want to do it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we're right back to that attachment uh, concept. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How about this? There's a lot of different things I'd like to say. Um, one of them is your a while ago, you were making me think about the most important thing I ever heard in my 
life, my adult life, I was about 31 years old when I heard it. It was, it kind of changed my life. I have always been naturally kind of introverted. I like my alone time and I like to think a lot and watch stupid YouTube videos. But um, the, the, the concept that I heard that struck me, just that aha moment and awakening was uh, people won't remember what you did or what you said. They'll only remember how you made them feel. And to me, that immediately a light bulb went off in my head because other people, I think, hear that and go, yeah, I know it sounds, you know, wow, how profound. No, listen to what that means. That means that when I'm at a party and I'm trying to prove to everybody how smart I am and I'm thinking about what I'm going to say and impress everybody, that's why I'm so anxious and socially awkward. The truth of the matter is they don't care what I say. They don't care what I do. They only care about how I make them feel. You listen, you ask questions and you listen. In other words, you get out of your head and think about them. It's that and that's, simple. That's why Life I'm a, changing. Uh, absolutely. And that's why in my book, I say we do communication, in my opinion, wrong and backwards. Yeah. You start with words. Right. What are words? It's a, it, it's a word to define a thought or a feeling to put it in a box. Blue is blue, green is green, yellow is yellow, sad is sad, happy is happy, but it doesn't have the emotions behind it. So we're using words to try to create a connection and to try to create compassion. It doesn't work. And that's how we argue and disagree and feel confused and lost and not respected, and not understood so much of the time. We are to bring the compassion and the connection. So I flip it on its head. I say, offer compassion first. Cultivate connection. What is it that you need? What is it that you want? And from there, the words come. Because then it's emotionally supported. And then because you and I have had that place of what is it that you need? You know, what is it that you're asking me about this painting? You've got the opportunity to find out where can I create connection? And there's the bridge. I'm going to care. That's my blue blanket for my mama. I'm going to care enough about you to try to help and support and connect with you in a way that you can receive. My dad's way wasn't working. Mm -hmm. My husband's way wasn't working. So there's the place of, well, I want to make this work. Right. What can I offer to you that you will receive? Yeah. And to me, that is love. Yeah, that's something that AI can't even replace. And uh, we're in a world that that's what we worry yes. about so much. And you are in the perfect field that, uh, yeah. People have asked me that. Are you concerned with AI? I'm like, oh gosh, AI is phenomenal. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's not going to do anything with my business. because. No. Mine's all ushy gushy how you feel. And, you know, it would have to be some person to input that into the computer. Well, that's that person's expression. That's not the person who's in my room. Right. So, yeah. Okay. I got something you could really wrap your arms around here. Okay. Speaking about love. Yeah. Is there a difference in relationships? Is there a difference in, in the kind of love that you approach strangers with? colleagues with, friends with, good friends with, and your uh, intimate partner with, and family, 
all these different kinds of relationships from very superficial to moderately to intimate. Is there differences? Are there differences? Well, I think the way you love any particular person is different at any particular time. I, love is not a constant. Hmm. There's not one way. If If you ask me, you know, how do you love both of your children? I love both of my children differently. And I love both of my children differently at different times. Sometimes it's it's way closer. Sometimes it's way more playful. Sometimes it's a little bit more spicy. Sometimes it's a little bit hard. So um, to me, there needs to be fluidity to that. Do I love different people differently? Absolutely. Do I love my do I love myself differently? Like, let's go to this. So let's say I woke up this morning and I felt amazing. I'm incredible. And I get on the phone and somebody says, oh my God, Heather, you totally screwed this up and you've cost us a thousand dollars and this is a problem. Do I love myself as much right now as I did when I first woke up in the morning? Pro probably not. Right. So love changes all the time based upon how we allow ourselves to receive it or how we give it. Okay, so here's the answer. Here's the answer. I guess this is, the, okay, this is a new awareness for me. So thank you. Huh. Love has the capacity to be deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And in that, as you grow more into it, you learn more. I think it is actually in the essence of the giving and the receiving. That is the, the true answer. That's really the, that's really the true answer. It will depend upon how you give and who is giving and who is receiving. I can offer you a tremendous amount of love and you can cut it out and you won't receive it. Mm -hmm. I will say my love, my love is huge. You will say, I don't feel anything. So it's going to be up to the individual. Do you receive it? Do you feel it? And that's why it's so important, especially in couples work to find out where do you receive my love? How do you receive my love? What's keeping you from receiving my love? What can I do differently? So that was the knock. Mm-hmm. When are you ready? And how do I, how do I, what would you like me to talk about? That's the the navigation. So I don't even know how to describe love other than um, the energy of all that is beautiful and all that is and all that ever was and all that will ever be. Oh, that's and a perfect. That's, included. that's a perfect definition. That's a, it's a heavy one. It's all encompassing. Okay. When we're talking about, I guess, any relation, Lisa and I, my partner and I did some considerable relationship therapy ourselves, and I learned a lot. I I, I knew nothing. It's embarrassing how ill-prepared I was. Um, what One of the most important things I learned was the five love languages, and there probably are more, and I think we all probably ebb and flow with all of them to some degree or another, but we lean into one more than the other uh, for the most part. But what I learned about that, it's kind of like uh, I, see, I saw my family differently after learning that and really soaking it in because I could say like my brother, oh my God, he's a doer. He, he expresses his love by doing things for people. He is not a verbal guy, you know, in that regard. I'm very verbal. Uh, and expressive in that way. And when you understand those different uh, forms of expression of love, opens up your heart a whole bunch more because you see 
back to what you're saying is giving, how do you give and how you receive it? Well, if you can now perceive it where you didn't perceive it before, your life is full of a lot more love. You yes. just made me think of that. Yeah. Yes. And it's a whole chapter in my book because the love languages are, are, are beautiful, beautiful expression. Uh, Gary Chapman, it's an amazing book uh, about how do to find out how do you receive. And what, what's fascinating is, let's say someone says, well, I want words of aff affirmations, but my partner's not comfortable with it. And then the partner will say, well, that's just not who I am. Mm. Okay. So if they're in my office, I'm mm. going to say, okay, so you haven't ever had sushi before, let's say. Like at one time in your life, you never had sushi, right? And they'll say, yeah. And I said, have you had sushi now? Yeah. Do you eat sushi? Yeah. Oh, so you've changed in what you eat and you change in what you like. Yeah. So you're not comfortable with it. But your partner is saying that's really important for them to hear that from you. What if part of the reason you're in this relationship is they're going to help you, if you're willing, to stretch, to learn how to love in a way that you've never loved before. If you, I, yeah, I talk about Santa and Jesus in my book about this. Words of affirmation. Good little girl. Yeah. Touch. Gifts. Acts of service. Special moments. They're all of those. Yeah. Ted was physical touch. I was molested. So it was on the, the lowest of mine, but it was so important to him that I knew I had to learn to offer it. So on our second date, I remember sitting in his car, my hands were like this in my lap. And, and I remember thinking, touch his knee. And I'm like, oh my God, like <laughs> Heather, touch his knee. So I like awkwardly, like put my hand out and I clamp it on his knee. He just put his hand on and he was rubbing. Because he was comfortable with it. Yeah. I learned physical touch. I used to run out to the car and say, whoa, 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 one more kiss. And he'd say to me, just can't get enough of me, can you? I'm like, nope. Oh I'm here God. for some sloppy seconds. That's beautiful. It was. That is when beautiful. he died, my little hairs on my arms stood up, mm. quivering. And I thought, oh, my gosh, my body is missing touch. Oh, Wow. And I, and I said to him, I was crying. Thank you, 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 thank you. You have given me the gift of desiring physical touch wow. and enjoying it and loving it. And I am missing it so much because you're gone. But what a gift Ted has given me for whomever I date next. Because right. I love physical touch now. I didn't at all before him. So here's something that's fascinating about love languages. And this is in my book. You want one. And then when your partner gets really good at doing it, you have it. And because you have it, you're grateful, you're appreciative. And you start wanting another. So they'll morph. After Ted died, physical touch was my most important. Wow. Now it shifts depending upon what's going on in the world. During COVID, dear God, it was the most important. <laughs> but if I'm if I'm getting hugs in life, if I'm, you know, hugging my cat and my dog, it might not be as important as something else. So what you are 
And oftentimes what you've been deprived of in your childhood mm -hmm. is what you want. The people that come into my office and say, I never heard that from my mom or my dad that they loved me. Mm. Little light goes off in my head. This oh, yeah. is probably somebody who needs words of affirmation. Yeah, right. So what do I do? I start helping them implant those for themselves so they can help themselves heal in that. So I'll say, right now, I'll pull out a mirror and I'd say, this is going to be hard. You trust me? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, I want you to look into your eyes right now. And I want you to tell yourself that you love you. Mm. Yeah, I've heard so, of this exercise, yes. That's help, help yourself with those love languages that you want to have to find a way to bring it into your life that that you can receive and eventually you'll be really good at all of them if you think about it they say there's five i agree there's more yeah but if i'm only going to do one that means i'm only loving people 20 percent, or mm. i'm only loving 20 percent of the world mm. i'm sorry that's not enough no if i learn how to do them all then i can love people 100 percent, and i can love everybody in the world well I'm going to get a whole bunch more love too if I'm loving more people. So for sure. why would I not want to? Right. Yeah. You know, here's an interesting thing. I'm almost embarrassed to admit it, but I used to, um, I used to, in my head, put clients in a certain box and uh, uh I don't different people in different boxes, but I think about that with my clients. It's such a good example and friends in a box and family in a box. And I, as I've grown over time, they're all the same now. Like I love my clients, like my friends and family. And my life is so much better as a result of that. And I love my career. And I used to, I used to struggle with it because I grew up in a very blue collar family. And I literally was taught that if you're, if you're enjoying yourself, you're not working because working sucks and it's hard. Think and about that message. Dear yes, God. Yes. Like, isn't that awful? Especially it's for somebody awful. who's working with people. I'm supposed like, think about that. I, my job is to help you feel better within yourself. Yeah. That's what a therapist's role is. And I hate doing what I'm doing. What's that message? I hate doing what I have to do for you to try to get you to love you. Like, how is that going to work? It's not. And what a stupid thought. Yes. Because, because it's just a mental construct. I get to decide if I love what I do. I could hate what I do. Oh my gosh, I have to show up at the office. Oh my gosh, I have to listen to your stupid problems. Oh my gosh, I don't get vacation time. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm not nine to five. Yeah, I mean, I don't have health insurance. I have to buy tissue all the time. You're needy of me. I can hate what I do. You can hate anything. Yeah. Or you can choose to not. But since you are to live this life, and since work is a, a big portion of it. You got to do I, something. So when my kids were really young, I homeschooled. And um, my son had a fascination with the garbage man. <laughs> he did he did and a particular one or all garbage he man? was he was our friday friday garbage man okay mr jose and he had no teeth and and he would come on friday and so mac always wanted to give him a present so we would do like applesauce or a very soft muffin or a hot cocoa and we would run out and give mr jose a gift 
And he would let Mac and Santa climb up into his seat and ring his bell. And he'd say, Bambino, Bambino. And he uh, was, he was amazing. Yeah. Mac would tell all of my friends when he was three that he wanted to be a garbage man. And my friends all laughed and they said, way to go, doc. Yeah. Raising your kid to be a garbage man. And I said, yeah. oh, Mac is actually brilliant. Ask him why. Yeah. So he would say, trash stinks. We've got a lot. And if Mr. Jose didn't come and pick it up, it would be all over our house. And it'd be all over our street. And my friends couldn't come to my house. So Mr. Jose lets my friends come to our house. And people went, oh, he's really smart. I said, and Mac doesn't even realize the true wisdom in his little three-year-old heart. Yeah. Mr. Jose was happy. Yeah. Happy with what he did. He picked up trash and he saw the joy that it brought others. Mm -hmm. It was glorious. It doesn't matter really what you do. It doesn't even really matter who the heck you are. It just matters the experience of it. And that is something that's up to you. And that's why I call my book, Speaking with the Heart. Communication is a love letter if you choose for it to be. Or it's a battle. And that choice is yours. I'm going to prefer to be in a relationship where it's treated as a love letter. Mr. Jose knew that wisdom. And it was glorious. It was glorious. That last minute there would be a nice chunk to, to chop out of this and use as, a, as like a YouTube short for well, do it. your book. Uh, it was really well said. It was very profound. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, how are how old are your kids and how are they? So my son just turned 24 and my daughter is at 26. And um, they're amazing. My son's in the military. He nice. is becoming quadlingual. Uh, he's learning Mandarin. Wow. And I think he's going to do the 20 years. He's smart, powerful, compassionate, kind. Um, I adore him. I'm incredibly proud of him. My daughter, um, she's amazing. She's artistic. She's beautiful. She's soulful. She's deep. She creates um, prayer paintings and portal paintings, and she is going to create portals inside of sanctuaries and temples and churches throughout the world. Can you explain that, please? Uh, portal paintings and creating portals throughout the world? I don't know. I, my guess would be that you're talking about uh, showing a religious experience. Um, yeah, she she helps people honor their own internal um, spirituality in a way to be able to focus upon it. So l let's say, let's say we'll use Jesus. Let's say it's, it's a, a prayer painting about Jesus. She will use words of Jesus throughout the painting. She will find out the names that are important to you with Jesus, the, the places that are important to you, the energy of Jesus. She'll listen to music um, that is tied to that. So she will take the energies of, of, of him and of you and 
in in collaboration work to create a painting that you can go to to reflect upon that for you is that experience and a lot of them are set in a portal shape where they go in and in and in and in they're fascinating to watch her do because she layers them so there'll be mantra there'll be prayer there'll be bible there'll be scripture there'll be song um color she does lots of layering with feathers and shells or crystals or things that that resonate with that energy she's also done energy paintings of healing for like eating disorder or body dysmorphia fascinating it is glorious. And so being her mom, what is so beautiful is I have the gift of word and I have the gift of um, graciousness. And so when she's working on something, she will come to me and say, like, help me with this, because she knows I can be a little bit a little bit more of a brushstroke with love in some of my phraseology or, or in ways to convey things. And so I'm her muse a lot of times um, and I find things for her and I'm like, this is really important. I was, I was, I was drawn to teeth for a while. So I was purchasing her teeth and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm supposed to buy these for you. And then she'd be like, mom, it's here this Christmas. I got her two snake skins that were super important. Butterflies, shells, feathers. I dry flowers for her. I dry, I dry rose petals for her, which is really, 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 really important. And then she'll take all these beautiful gifts of nature and she'll use them in what she does. And um, she's using her art to help heal herself and heal the world. And I do the same with my words. Yeah. And my son does the same with his his strength and his wisdom. Wow. So the three brown skateers are all here trying to help the world experience be safer, more full of love, more connected, more beautiful, more honoring. And I'm I'm just so grateful that we get to be us and we get to be doing this in our own ways, but in some ways crossing over each other, sure. which is well, beautiful. You know, very interesting. Uh, when you started describing the portals, the, the paintings, I, I immediately thought, wow, this is a visual, way. like I listened to uh, guided meditation. Uh, I can YouTube. show you one if I turn my, if I turn yeah, my camera on. Yeah, please do. But this it's guided meditation visually. She's creating meditational devices. I don't know if you can zoom on it. And I get can, it. but I can't. You know, it's and I, you can always, you, her name is Sienna, Sienna Brown with an E. Um, so you can look her up or I can send you her link. She has mm -hmm. a, a glorious website. I, I am her biggest collector, but I have that one. Um, I have an amazing painting on Jesus that I love. I have one on... Um, um, Kuan Yin. So whatever, whatever expression someone is wanting to have, Mother Mary, God, you know, whatever it might be, um, they're lovely. Contemplative oh. prayer paintings. They're they're lovely. She's incredibly gifted. Well, yeah, yeah the, I like I said, it's a visual, it's a visual way of uh meditating. It's yes. a guided meditation piece. Yes which I think is absolutely amazing. And, and you're also correct that you're all participating. Here she is. That's yeah. my baby girl. Yeah. But yeah. And oh, she, you can see. Look at this. That was the eating disorder. That was the oh. one that, oh, what, what? And so what am I to find in here? Yeah, that was a hard one. Yeah. This is a recent one she's working on. Those look like shells, like muscles shells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. muscle shells are really important right now. Oh, okay. So, oh, I like her work. It's deep. 
isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you go to her website, she has so many. She's been, she had a beautiful show a couple of months ago in San Diego and um, mm. she sold five paintings. Um, oh my God. Look at this. That's her. That's in her room. So yeah. she's, she's done a, a mural in her room. She's going to be in the San Diego art walk in August. Mm -hmm. So you can find her there as well. But if you guys have questions, you can reach out to me and I'll get you connected. But she, she does um, paintings on commission for people. Mm. Um, and mm. then she collaborates with whatever they would, they would want. She's also, she also teaches people how to create portal paintings herself. So she's done workshops, oh. showing people how to do it. She's a, uh, that has a cuss word. So you might have to scroll fast. <laughs> uh, uh, and that's most people listen to the show. And this is one of those times I'd recommend that you come over and uh, take a look at this stuff. It's fascinating. When I look at this, I think she's got to be fascinating to talk to. She exactly. is such a gift. She she is the most glorious person. And I say all the time, like, how is it that we chose each other in this life? And we a hundred, those are the teeth, we a hundred percent have and we know it. We know yeah. it. We're going to create Watch Out World. This is her art show. This was her art show in San Diego. It was so beautiful. We're going to create a mermaid program, she and I. And we're going to help little girls tap into their little or inner mermaid because there's a beautiful aspect that's really important in that. And she was a lifeguard. Um, we're both swimmers, very tied to the ocean. Um, and so it's something we've talked about and it's something that's going to happen down the road. There's going to be a mermaid program that we're very gonna... interesting. Yeah. Hey, we should plug uh, some of your stuff too. While I'm thinking about it. Um, <laughs> I tell Sienna, hey, you took over the podcast, sweetheart. I hope I get you people. Right, right. Well, I have to say, you have a great website. And I would like to encourage people to go to Dr. Heather Brown with an E on the end of Brown, drheatherbrown.com. And uh, yeah, you got some really nice stuff. And um, you. your TED Talk is on there. You mm -hmm. And oh. the book will be on there next week. Oh, that and that's terrific. Are you going to do an audio version? I I really want to. Um, so so Post Hill is part of Simon Schuster, and so what I've been told is we need to sell a, quite a few copies for that to be something that they will pick up. Oh, okay. um, otherwise, it's it's for me to pick up the cost. But I think it's probably going to happen anyway because almost everyone asks me that. Mm -hmm. and Only I open up the audience by seventy five percent, probably. And I think I would, I think I would really love doing it. I think you'd so, be terrific at it for sure. I think it's something for me to look into when we're a little further beyond launch. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I also want to say that you have a terrific blog and not just yeah. that I'm on your email list and I, and you put out an email that's an easy read. It takes a few minutes each with each. And there was, I'm on your blog page now. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was one just a couple of weeks ago. I may have responded to you about it. I'm not sure, but it was about happiness. I think this is worth bringing up. And and you talked about how we think of happiness as this this space, this place that you're supposed to be and always be, and it's and that right there is self defeating, because yeah. happiness is maybe something you glide in and out of on occasion. Could you speak to that a little bit? Because I'm doing a terrible job. Well, sure. So we we want the things that are lovely in our life to be ever present. Of course mm -hmm. we do. But if they are, then they're no longer 
quite as amazing as they are. If I eat a chocolate chip cookie every hour, it's not going to be that great. If I don't have a chocolate chip cookie for a month and I ate a chocolate chip cookie, oh, it's amazing. So part of the reality is that's the joy of life. You've got to have the contrast. Mm -hmm. And to feel something, it needs to take us a little bit out of where we have been, or it just becomes isness. And happiness is something that that we cultivate based upon an experience that we're having. You say something I like, I'm happy. You give me a cookie, I'm happy. But there's an external that comes to an internal. And, and it's great. And we love it. We love it. You know, you hear a child laughing. And for me, I'm, I'm happy. You hear, you look at a little puppy wiggling its little tail and I'm like, I'm happy. But there's been an external that has caused that, which is part of the beauty of being in this world and being human. But that's different than an internal place of peace and an internal place of joy or acceptance. And when I can be in that state, then no matter what is going on in the world, I am going to be able to maneuver myself through the world better. If I'm relying on external things to bring me my happiness, unless I'm blessed to live in a place that's very rich of that, I'm leaving myself devoid of what I could have. And when you realize that and say, oh gosh, no, I, I really want to give myself the life I want to have. I really want to offer to myself all that I can can be, then then you can have you can have joy pretty much always. And then happiness is a layer above. It's those moments where I laughed really out loud. That was beyond my normal state. But if you let your externals decide where you have your peaks of your normal state, you, you're gonna be like this. Whereas for me, I'm kind of more like this and up and up. I I don't go that far down. And, 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 and when I start to, I question it really quickly. I'm like, Heather, get into nature, mm. get into water, That's call your son or your daughter. Like you are, you're losing your connection with what is precious, what is beautiful, what is powerful. And so for me, I'm, I'm very much aware of that. It's very important that I keep myself in a place of open, warm, compassionate energy for me to be able to do the work that I do and for me to be able to love people the way that I do. Clients who haven't seen me for a while will reach out and they'll say, I need to come in and get my Heather fix. Oh. And I say, oh yeah, I know exactly what they mean. They wanna be loved on, they wanna be supported. They, they kinda wanna be called on their crud. Like, hey, what are you doing? Like this, this isn't gonna honor who you really are. And they know I will do it in a way to support them. So there's the place of, of asking yourself, am I just reacting to the world around me? And is that my experience? But what about my internal world? Mm -hmm. If you think about it, you will have more conversations with yourself than anybody else in your entire lifetime. Oh yeah. It's so what are the, really harsh. So what are the quality of those conversations? Mm, that's, that's really good. I want to back you up if I can, because I'm not sure if I totally grasped this correctly, but you're talking about getting to a place of happiness and, and it sounded like you needed an underlying underpinning of joy first. 
before you did I read that right? And how do you find the internal joy first? No, you don't have to. I mean, you can you can you can you can live in low energy if you want to. You can live in misery and um, depletion and resentment. I mean, I certainly have have lived through dark, dark stages after my mom killed herself after Ted died. Like I, I was just, I was just trying to survive yeah. when I had my huge crash freshman year in college. I was just trying to stay on the earth truly. Mm -hmm. um, so, but there is a place of asking yourself, well, what is, what is joy? And that's a good question right there. Because happiness is that made me happy. Joy is internal. And, and I have spent years, um, trying to find where is mine and what, 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 how do I connect with that deeper? And so for me, it's like a, it's like a soft, warm hug that I feel pretty much all the time. If I let myself stay in that energetic awareness. And for me, it's the love of, of the earth. It's the love of the universe. It's the love of all the people who have come before me. It's my love of this life. It's my love of everybody else around here. It's my love of my experience. And so I try to give myself the gift of remembering that. Mm. And it might fall into just being Heather doing life. And then I say, hmm, this doesn't feel that great. And when I give myself the opportunity to tap back into, like, I am so protected. I'm so protected in this world. If you think about it, none of us should be alive. Think, I mean, think about all the molecules in the air and what's in the water and all the stuff we eat in our food and all the body systems and the like super thin skin. Like it's crazy. We're even alive. It's a miracle. We're alive. We're shooting through a universe on a big blue marble. Like what the heck? And it works? Like it makes no sense. When you put it like that. And so your heart beautiful. beats on its own. You breathe on your own. Your blood pumps to your whole body. Like I look at my body, 60 years old. I'm like, dear God, you've been going for 60 years. I'm like, you're holding up pretty darn well. It's crazy. Yeah. I am like so blessed. And when you let yourself recognize that, like how blessed I am to, to have this life. I want to get to that. Well, I don't want to get to the end of my life. But when I do, I just have this view that like that God will say to me, so like, what'd you think? And I just want to say, oh, like, thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to have life. Oh, wow. And to have life as Heather. And then I have this image that God will say to me, so did you do everything that you wanted? And I'm going to say, oh, hell no. Right. Hell no. But I really enjoyed it. And I'm really grateful that I was given the opportunity to be alive. There's so many people who have passed over. I have not yet. What a glorious gift today is if I choose for it to be, because one day I'm not going to be here. Mm. And then there's, there's no more of this. So my viewpoint is like, why would I not want to treasure this as much as I can? And why would I not want to take care of it? And why would I not want to share it and just try to light other people up to the beauty of the fact that like you can love yourself if you want to, or you cannot, 
You can love this journey if you want to. Or not. Everything is both. I did a I did a, a TikTok that people really enjoyed where I said a yes is also a no. If I say yes, I will do this podcast with you. I have at the same time said no, I will not see clients and I will not be doing yoga right now. So it's always both. We get caught in not recognizing that. And so then we get angry or frustrated in a choice that we have made. Mm -hmm. If we decide that the choice that we have made was our choice, or it was the choice that was, then it's not a choice, it was our choice, then we have a way of honoring that and letting it be what it is and saying, I thought that was the best choice at the time. And so mm -hmm. like, I, I'm going to let that be a gift, an opportunity. Every single moment could be a different reality. I can choose something different. I can feel something different. I can think something different. I can do something different. Every, every moment could be like, I don't know, even a billion opportunities, possibilities. And, and yet we get so caught up in the one that we're in. And so if you don't enjoy what's going on, give yourself the opportunity to change it. If you're going to do it, like recognize you're doing it so that your life becomes more important to you for whatever it is that you want it to be. It could just be watching, looking at a sunset every night. If that's the purpose of your life, dear God, what a, what a beautiful purpose. But you, let yourself live your life in a way that thrills you because this is all we got. That's really great stuff. I think for about the last four minutes, you just went on, on an entire definition of what is gratitude without ever saying the word gratitude. Uh, it's beautiful. And what you did is, I think, I don't want to put words in your mouth. You said everything very eloquently, but you're talking about take the time to see what the gifts that you are truly given right wow. now in every regard. Then you're talking about the decisions that are that you've made and will make. And with the um, knowing that with every door you open there, you're going to close another. What do you say about indecisiveness and indecisive people? Is that is that a horrible trait? Well, I'm not going to label it with that. So I'm going to say no. I'm going to say it's an absolutely wonderful opportunity because what it means is you don't give yourself the, 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 the power to choose. And so if you sit in that, you're looking for something else to tell you what you are to be. I had a gentleman come to me and he, he was in love with a girl, but he didn't know if she was the one. And so I listened to him for a while and I thought, oh, I'm going to give him an interesting exploration. And so he had gone on for a while and he said, so what do you think? And I said, she's not the one. And he looked at me and said, what? I I'm said, shocked that you said that. Wait, wait, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. She's not the one. And he said, why? And I said, well, because you haven't chosen her. He said, okay. He said, and if I choose her? And I went, congratulations. She's the one. Wow. He just started laughing. Oh, but I yeah. said, 
it's the truth. That was profound, actually, in its simplicity. Yeah, it can be either. Yeah. And and then there's a really important place when you decide it is this. Let's say she's the one. Then it's important to keep choosing that because what we normally do yes, is yes. when she says something mean, we say, yes. "Oh God, I shouldn't have chosen you." But that doesn't mean the other was better. Like what the best you can have is what you have right now, because that's what you have and what you choose to do with it. But if I choose to love you forever, then I'm going to love you forever. I used to have a little bit of um, an irrational fear that my daughter wouldn't want me in her life. I know where it comes from. My mom killed herself was disowned by my dad. My husband died. I've lived life on my own a lot. So I knew where it was coming from. But Sienna always said like, mom, stop. And so uh, she said to me one day, she goes, I don't know how to do life without you. Oh my God. I feel like that about my mother. But wait. And I went, yeah. oh, and she goes, my daughter adores me. She goes, no, mom, no. I haven't lived without you. So I simply just don't know how to do life without you. And I'm like, got it, got it. Mm. And and she said, you know, I don't know what to tell you to get over this. I took it to God and I said, like, God help. Like, I know, I know this is irrational. And then God said to me, how about you just be the very best mom you can be today? And then you do that every day. And I went back to her and I said, I'm going to be in your life always. She goes, yeah, she adores me. Yeah, mom. Yeah. And I'm like, but you know how I know that? She goes, no, how? I said, because I'm going to be the very best mom I can be for you today. She looked at me and she said, I'm so blessed. Yeah. Because I am so loved. Yeah. Like, she's never going to want me out of her life. Right, right, right. So guys, that's the, that's it. Decide. And then decide with your heart and invest in it and care about it and nurture it and prune it because it needs some pruning and oh. water it oh, and yeah. let yourself be blessed by your partnership, be blessed by your life, be blessed by your career, be blessed by the opportunities that are here for you. Like it's so glorious if you decide it is, and it's not Pollyanna, you're still going to deal with cancer and COVID and people dying and, you know, losing 5,000 of the stock market and someone crashing into your car and somebody disowning you. You're still going to have to deal with all of that. But if you really are loving yourself as you do it, it's going to be a little less hard of a journey. A lot less We all want to be loved. We all want to be loved. It's so really speak with our heart and speak with our heart with our partner the more beautiful it's going to be those are beautiful words it's been a very inspirational podcast uh I want, oh i do need to apologize i'm gonna hear about uh charlie's blanket in the background oh lisa's gonna be oh she always right before i go on a podcast she's always like move charlie's blanket well, <laughs> so, maybe you just wanted a little bit more comfort and compassion in the room with you. Maybe Charlie wanted to be in the room with us. So he, Charlie, he thank you for being here. <laughs> yeah, he's right over there. Uh, I wanted that. Oh, here's what I wanted to ask you. This is a big one. And I ask you as a psychotherapist and just as a 
as a person who seems to have uh, some degree of mastery of love and happiness and joy. How important do you think religion is to achieving that? Okay, we know gratitude is extremely important. We've talked about that. I tend to think, and you know, when you say religion, everybody then needs to define religion for themselves. So you could do that if you want. But I, spirituality, however you want to say it, is it a guide towards gratitude? Um, which is well, I, I think I think it's a fast it's a fast forward to it if you choose to, because gratitude is a, a very important component of all religions. And, and it is talked about quite a bit, not that we necessarily pick it up. Um, I've had, I've had, I've worked with a lot of atheists and um, it's been a fascinating journey because what I'll say is, you know, this is a spiritual walk mm -hmm. and they'll say, well, I'm an atheist. I don't, I don't believe in that. I'm like, well, you believe in that. So that is your spiritual walk. True. And so to me, we're spiritual beings. And whether you decide that you're going to follow a certain faith or not, that doesn't take away from the essence that you are here. And your life is up to you to decide what the purpose of that will be and what you believe. So I, I to me, I will say that is what's important. And, and however you feel alignment with expressing that, I think it's important for you to find out what connects you the most with you. Um, for some people, it's nature. For some people, it's That's music. Great. For mm -hmm. some people, it's, it's church. For some people, it's the Bible. So it's important for you to find out what helps you connect to where you feel the most true divine love and light where your wish is for beauty and love for all and where there is no desire <clears throat> to hurt or inflict upon anyone else, whatever you want to label that, label that. I, to me, it's easier just to call it love, but, but I, I, I personally believe that any choice you make in how you choose to view the world is a spiritual choice. So I think it's all part of it. That's a good answer. Uh, Merlin, and I, I could be completely wrong. So if your viewers think I, I am, too. please like let me know because I am open to everything. I'm such a curious person and I'm growing all the time in, I, in what I know. You're a perfect guest for this show because you just pretty much explained the premise of the show uh, right there. And Merlin and I talk a lot about like, um, you know, I think I'd be labeled somewhat agnostic. I think. Uh, but I believe in an afterlife. I believe in, uh, something, whatever it is larger than me that you can call God that works perfectly fine. Uh, you wouldn't be doing this podcast if you didn't. I think that's a no really reason good. to reach or touch other people if you didn't. Yeah, I guess. Okay. So one thing that we talk about a lot on here is if you don't, you're talking about atheists and, and you're a spiritual being, whether you want to see it that way or not. It, we say on here, if you don't have that spiritual grounding, then you have a void that needs filled with something. And you're going to find something that may be a little more nefarious than it should be. And so I think it's Sam Harris, you know, Sam Harris is okay. He's a 
rather famous atheist um, philosopher. I think he's a neurologist as well. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm positive he is. I just sometimes mix up neurology with neuroscientists and neurosurgeons, uh, but he's an expert in the mind. But he is a famous atheist, but he also, but he does have a, a strict moral code. And I, and I think that it's grounded in, uh, he would say, I've heard him say, um, absolute truth. Uh, he, he will not lie. Somebody asks him, what did you think of my book? Well, you may not want to hear it, you know, from Sam. He's going to tell you honestly. Uh, my only point to this is, is that I think that if you don't have a spiritual grounding, you better find, you better find some kind of definition or it's going to get filled with other things. And I think that that's happening a lot in this country as of the last couple few decades. I, well, I think I, we, we all have the desire to connect with something. Mm -hmm. And so whether that be spirituality, whether that be nature, whether that be another human being, whether that be drugs, whether that be sex, we, we all we all look for ways to join. We all look for ways to experience. And, and I think it's wise as you go through life to, to evaluate what you're choosing as your vehicle for that and how sustaining it is, how helpful it is. I mean, I think most of us have had some behavior that we've engaged in that hasn't been the best for us eventually. Sure. You know, for me, it's probably food, you know, eating too much or eating sugar, not getting enough exercise. Um, some people it's alcohol, some people it's drugs, some people it's sex, some people it's shopping. Um, you know, you can use religion in a way that isn't healthy. So sure. I think it can be, it can be anything that you're putting value upon and you're finding purpose and influence upon. And you just want to, you want to look at that social media. Oh, can be going to be looking at like, well, what is this cultivating in me? What is yeah. this? Who am I becoming because of this experience? And is this growing me in a way that is helping me improve and get healthier and more wonderful and more in love with myself? Or is it not? And then that will guide you a little bit upon, is this something that honors who you truly are and who you can be? That's up to you to decide. Well said. Um, what are your thoughts on social media in today's society? Do you think, here's what I'm wondering, in, on my, in my hopeful days, on a good day, uh, I will say about social media, I think perhaps we're coming out of the adolescence stage of it. Because when I saw it, you know, about 2012 or so, everybody, boom, is on Facebook and saying horrible things to each other. I mean, people my age, I've seen them turn into horrible children and ill-behaved children on social media. And I stayed away from it since then. I have things I've been embarrassed about that I've said and put out there. And, but I'm thinking that maybe we've all learned, most of us have learned that lesson and have maybe curbed our behavior. That's on my best day. Uh, on my more negative days, I think it's the complete and total destruction of society as we know it. What do you think? What are your thoughts? I think it's up to each person to choose for themselves what it will be. Social media can be an incredible connector for me. So I met you. It can be a, a beautiful, you know, vehicle like people watching this podcast and it can be destructive. It can be harmful and hurtful. It can be a waste of time. So it, I think everything depends upon um, your response to what it is. I can choose something to, you know, good and bad, black and white. 
it depends how I use it. So for me, when I feel like Heather, like you're wasting a lot of time right now on TikTok, then it's like, it's time for me to get off. Mm -hmm. But there's also relationships that I've created on TikTok that are beautiful. Oh, And I've had people reach out to me in coaching from TikTok. It's beautiful. So it really depends upon how you utilize this forum in a way and, and how you protect yourself in that as much as you can. Um, if, if for someone it's, it's a waste of time, it's hurtful, it's damaging, it's causing them to want to stray from their relationship or, or judge themselves and compare themselves, I'd say, get off. I know when COVID hit after a period of time, I stopped watching the news for a little while. Oh God, yeah. It was not serving me. It was not helping me. I was not going to a healthy place. I do not, I'm not on a, a news ban all the time. You know, I check in, I look and I read and I listen. But when something starts to become for me problematic, I, I try very quickly to look at it and say, like, this is out of balance now. This is no longer benefiting you. Mm. And, and and it could be anything. It could be something that sounds lovely, like massage. But if I'm, if I'm going to a massage every single day, I'm going to be in trouble financially. So then it's no longer serving me. Now it's starting to hurt me. So there's that place of our own self-responsibility of how do I utilize this life? How do I utilize this vehicle of social media to benefit me, to bless me? And where it doesn't, am I adult enough to do what I need to do to change that? You give great answers. That's why I like asking you Thank questions. You. Like you really Thank got you. good answers. So here's one for you. Continue and then I got to wrap up after this oh, one. Oh, you know what? Yes, me too. Uh, this has been going on for quite some time. If you were to raise to be raising kids fresh again right now today, how would you handle the phone slash social media thing? Mm. Well, because mine are so much older, I don't really know what's going on with the itty bitties in the school system. So I, I would. I don't either want to be involved with that. But my guess is if I was homeschooling, I'd probably do it the way that I did it, that they didn't need to have a phone until they were going to be away from us where they needed to reach us. So my kids didn't have a phone until like 13, 12, I think 12, um, because they were starting to be in sports and things like that. The, the social media that they were a part of was more a family social media that mm. we did. And we brought them into that. Um, but because mine are, you know, a, a good 12 years older than that now, yeah. I would have, I'd have to spend some time. Cause I know nowadays kids have phones when they're like five and six. I know. I don't, I, 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 I wouldn't I, know I how to answer. I personally wouldn't, wouldn't want that. Um, I know for me that I, it's very important for me to not be on my phone all the time and to put it down and to stay away right. so that I actually engage with the world and spend time in nature. It's just easy to get sucked in. And I do think it's, I know when I got my son, his first computer at 12 and he started to come to me with all of these articles and he'd say, mom, you need to know this about Russia and you need to know about that. And I'd say, cite your source. Yes. Yes. And it opened up an awareness to him that he was reading all this stuff, but who had written it. Right. And that showed me, I probably need to be monitoring this a little bit because mm. this is stuff that's going in that he is now saying is truth. Right. And this was going to mold him and shape him. And I don't know what he was putting in. And so there's the place as, as a parent to be aware of that, be aware of what your children are reading and what they're watching 
and who their friends are and what they're in, involved in, not in the sense of like, I have to be supervising you to control it all, but to know, like, why are you being drawn to this? Or, Help them navigate. Yeah. Right. Like, why is this so important? A lot of kids go along with what the everyone else in their classroom is doing because they feel pressured to do it. Not necessarily that it's right for them. A lot of girls that are sending out sexy photos are doing it because they think that's going to get them attention. And it does, mm -hmm. but is that really who they are? Most times, no. It's good, and that it's creates a so lot no. of anxiety. Yeah. Ah, so I would talk before I would decide at what age I would I would really make it based upon your child, their situation, and what's going on in their life, and and how how well they are at taking in outside information mm -hmm. and and siphoning through it for what's healthy for them. It's a tall you know order. That's, that's very true. And I think you made a very good point. And I've said it before on the podcast a long time ago that something like Twitter, people are talking about forming news, people quoting their other teammates as their sources and these and spin up these news stories that are yeah. then ingested as truth. Because uh, that's enough about that. We should wrap up the show, actually. Got to let you go. And I want to really try to get this out this afternoon. So I got to get going. But I want to make sure that we... Uh, mentioned that your your book speaking with the heart is going to be out in a couple days right no it's gonna be out next week so oh. with amazon puts a book up there's a little 48 hour so tuesday through thursday of next week it'll be out but if you know you're eager and and you want it please reach out to me i'll, I'll hold on to your phone number your email you can you can sign up for my newsletter and i will be putting the link out as soon as i have it It'll be on my website as soon as I have it as well. Any questions? DrHeatherBrown.com. Right. E at the end of Brown. Yeah, it's www.drheatherbrown.com. And I'll put that in the show notes. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you so, so the best way to reach out to you is to go to your website, right? Everything's it's the, there. It's the hub of Heather. Yeah. The hub of Heather. I love that. And yep. sign up for the email. She's got a really good email list Thank and uh, yeah, I really like it. Love talking with you, Heather. Could, I could talk you. to you all day and let, let's do it again. All right. I'd love to. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great weekend. You as well. Bless right. you. Bye.